I stole this intro like Connor Stallion stole signs. The first ever exclusive interview with Connor since the allegations broke. But first, freelancer. Welcome back to the Great Lakes Great Iron Podcast. You know, it's been a lot while since we last recorded. A lot has happened. You know, it's just me today with the return of Connor. What is new, Connor? Yeah, been- it has been way too long. I think it's been about two weeks since I've been on. So I've just been kind of on vacation, chilling out. You know, got to go down to Florida, see my brother get married. A lot of life stuff going on. So it's been good to take a little bit of a break, travel. Allegedly. I will admit I need a I need a little vacation from vacation because I felt like a little too much work sometimes. But you know how vacations go. Some yeah, you, you know you texted Benji and I saying that you went to a Death Valley, Clemson, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually stayed uh, right outside the campus and got to go tour everything, take a look around for a little while. Didn't stay on campus too long, but enough to get a general vibe. Some good views of the sidelines. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got to check out the stadium and uh, look all around it. Okay, and you said you want to go to Florida State too, right? And uh, you just couldn't make that happen. I'd love to. I mean, it was a little bit far for me, but it's a place I'd love to go at some point. I think. Yeah. I think. Yeah, this year it's in high demand. Um, you know, like I said, you've been, you've been, you know, you've been kind of quiet the past two weeks. You know, off the grade, you had some personal stuff. Uh, you know, big, big news in football. Anything you want to talk about? You know, I saw a picture of you at the CMU MSU game. <laughs> so uh seems to be blowing up on social media you want to talk about anything uh i mean yeah i was i was at that game we were both there but i was uh you did you did venmo me for tickets i did i did uh so are you trying to imply anything here no 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 not me never never no not not at all i'm not implying one bit that you know the biggest topic in football i mean <sighs> <laughs> do we want to just talk about the situation and my uh, role in all of this well i was gonna say you know before we jump into match and week nine recap let's talk a little bit about the news around the college football lane game you know or landscape sorry and you know someone by the name of connor who has ties to cmu seems to be dominating the news connor you want to chime in and tell us your side of the story <laughs> look let's be real here i'm not the guy who actually was on the sidelines doing any of this my name is connor i did go to central i have been on the sideline before for a central michigan game uh you know i have been affiliated with u of m in the past but uh not the same guy you see my name is connor scallions not stallions so obviously completely uh, different people but you're a cook i i let me cook sheesh but this is uh, probably the biggest story of football, and finally it's hit the Mac because of the involvement with CMU, right? So let me throw a little perspective on this if I was to be the Connor that we're talking about, which I'm definitely not. Um, would you have, wait, before you go in, would you possibly have, you know, some Ray Ban sunglasses that have a video camera in them by any chance? Do you own any of those? Uh, I cannot confirm or deny that. Okay. 
But okay. look, if you see any pictures of me with uh, Ray-Bans on, aviators specifically, and maybe like a, a certain hat of a team or anything, it's completely unrelated. I just like football. I just like going to a lot of games. Big football guy. Big, Big football, football guy. guy. Yeah. Especially if I can uh, look at sidelines. Yes. Yeah, and, that, and that's, you know, look, uh, there's nothing wrong with looking on the sidelines, man. That's where the true advantage of the game happens. It's Yeah. The X's and O's. Honestly, it was one of my least favorite parts of going to the Eastern Michigan game is because I wanted to see what was going on and really be, you know, tuned in. But they had these probably interns walking behind all the coordinators with, you know, big old basically shields. And they're covering up all the play calls and stuff, you know, really one of the least enjoyable experiences. Should have gone to the other sideline. Because you really think that people are really trying to uh, steal Eastern's anemic offensive codes. Well, <laughs> it was pretty bad, and I think we're going to have to talk about that later because yeah. that game was kind of a dumpster fire, but uh, a lot of positives from it, too. We'll have to get into that. But look, I think uh, I think it's really interesting that suddenly Central's involved with this whole situation. Uh, at first, I really wanted to laugh it off as like, oh, come on, it's just some other GA, right? There's a bunch of GAs on every football team, and he's just some guy who happens to be a generic dude with some sunglasses. And then I, it kept coming up with the video, right? Where you, are you see, talk, are you are you talking in third person now? I'm trying to talk that way. Okay. Uh, you see a guy <laughs> on the sidelines who uh, keeps like shying away from the camera and doing all this weird stuff to not be seen. Uh, honestly, making it so obvious of like the guy doesn't want you to know he's there, but he's making it too obvious. Like he hasn't really done this before. But then all this stuff comes out of yeah he has probably if it if it wasn't him he'd be on every like hoodville meme saying when you said you weren't going to go out with the boys but there's a picture of you out with the boys exactly That's literally what the meme is is it's literally of him like hey guys don't take pictures don't take pictures of me i can't be seen i told my girl i wasn't going to come out that's literally what connor was like yeah it's the oh my wife called yeah tell her i'm at church yes uh, because I'm at the bar. No. Uh, so, honestly, like, I've been gone through this whole thing when it broke. Like, that's just when I was leaving. And, uh, taking time to, re- you know, figure yourself out. Yeah. You know, got to get away from the spotlight for a little bit. Yes. Uh, <laughs> let, let me just say this I think that this is actually a pretty big deal. And that I also believe that if you were to try to do something like this, it's, not that hard Uh, i do not think it would be that difficult to be on the sideline of a game as someone who doesn't have creds and i don't think it'd be that difficult to uh pull this whole operation off i really don't so what do you want to know what do you want to know about it um give me one second i had to ask you know my uh intern here that was asking me you know give me questions filling in um i agree with you that it's not that hard probably especially into the in today's age of you know, I could easily hit someone up on Twitter and just be like, hey, can you give me some, you know, sideline creds, right? Like, honestly, we could probably get some sideline creds to a Mac game. If we truly tried hard next year, we probably could, right? I, I don't think it takes that much effort even. That's I what I'm saying. legitimately think that without talking to anyone, specifically at CMU home games, right? You would know honestly, best. Probably, probably for the MSU game. You would know I best. Really, That's why I'm asking you. Yeah, I really do think I could get on the sideline. I mean, and you, you uh, may or may not have hypothetically you could get onto the sideline and everyone who's ever watched like a max fosh video or something will know yes. exactly how easy I, it is I, I know exactly who that guy is yeah 
I mean, I mean, there's so much. I I don't want to call it incompetency, right? Because people, you know, people have bad days at work and all that. But there is such a um, it's such a, I guess, don't ask, don't tell type thing when it comes to sports and figures, right? You know, because if you were just, I mean, you know, hypothetically, the way you would have dressed up for that CMU game, hypothetically speaking, the way the pictures came out, why would as security would you ever? think twice to ask him you know michigan state doesn't know well and think about like why would someone really just want to stand on the sideline right there's not a lot of benefit to it plus there's a lot of people on the sidelines for these games uh you get the one through 50 media creds that they were talking about you can easily find these creds from previous games take a picture of it export right. to photoshop put it on a badge boom you're in and those student staffers who are working the majority of these games or the volunteers what are they going to do they're not always going to scan these things if you're going through the staff line it's Correct. pretty easy to deceive people into letting you in there. And then for the coaching staff, right? Jim McElwain's not McElwain. going to know. He's exactly. Not know. He doesn't he's know so focused, on the sideline. Yeah. He's so focused on the game. He doesn't care. Like, like It sounds bad, but literally anyone could have been on the sideline there, and he wouldn't care because he's so focused on the game. You know, right. when we, we'll talk about this you know, when we get to the recaps and previews, but when you watch a game with Jim McElwain, I don't think he's ever not looking at the field. He's always looking at the field. You know, you see some head coaches where they're like, you know, kind of like lost in a gaze and like, you know, looking at their coordinators. I don't think I've ever seen Jim McElwain talk to a coordinator. No, he's the, the guy who paces a lot too. He, yes. he walks the sideline and then he does the classic Benji bend over move. I think yes. that's Benji honestly got it, but that's how he operates. And then he does talk a lot on the mic, but he's always walking around and doing he's stuff. Always he's always looking really at the field. Yeah. He's always looking at the field. So how, how would Jim McElane know hypothetically that you were there? Right. And so then who else is actually checking for that stuff? Because everyone on that field, all your quality control guys, all your coordinators, all the other G's, they have a job to do. Right, their job right. is not to wrangle a bunch of people. So if someone else shows up and they're standing on the corner, kind of like he was, I, what are you going to do? The guy could just be some analytics guy documenting, right? Right. Or I mean, honestly, you have no idea. You know, it could be your assistant's assistant's son or cousin that's coming down for the game, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, how many? You know, honestly, how many times has that happened, right? You know, if Jim McElwain, you know, let's say his assistant coordinator. Uh, was like, hey man, can I bring my son to Notre Dame? He'd say yes. He'd say yes in a heartbeat to be on the sideline with that, yep. right? You know, if I was a, you know, if I was an offensive coordinator, I'd want to bring my son to it, right? And you're doing this at an away game. They don't know who you're bringing, so when you show that cred, they're just going to let you through. Exactly. There, there's, a, there's a lot of things with like, oh, I could bring a high vis and a clipboard, and I could get in anywhere. This is one of those places. Yeah, you could get into this. I mean, what was the? Um, there was a dude what, last year or two years ago on TikTok that got on the NBA Finals floor. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, if a, that's... A, there's people who do this stuff for a living, basically. Yeah, especially it, in, like, places where trespassing isn't a charge, like in yeah, England. Yeah. So you're telling me this is, you know, they're doing it for NBA Finals, right? Finals. You're telling me there's going to be really beefed up security for an MSU-CMU game? No. Exactly. So like, th- this is what leads me down the thing of I really want to see hard evidence that he was there because it might change how that works for lower-tier college football. Sorry to call the Mac that, but that's how it is. Um, I also want to see hard evidence in this at all of what he was actually involved in because a lot of different people have kind of come out and said, oh, yeah, you know, I was a D3 manager or whatever, and I was involved in this, or other players have, or I guess not players, but coaches, GAs have come out and said stuff, but it, it's kind of all a web of mystery and a shroud of doubt. So Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm happy we finally are 
talking about it. You know, right. for two weeks he has been. You know, we it's been, he, he's been hard to find. You know, Scallions, <laughs> Connor Scallions has been hard to find in two weeks. You would think TMZ would have found him, right? You know, TMZ who reported Kobe's death before any news agency. TMZ who found who found Casey Anthony in Ohio. Like they're finding these people that like you know Casey Anthony. What money value does it have finding her compared to college football that is you know mecca in America? College football is king, and this is the biggest news story probably since Reggie Bush. Probably, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, but look, as the person who has no social media and does a lot to hide who they are all the time, uh, you know, it kind of makes sense, right? That uh, it does. I think there's too I, many connections. You know, I think you might be an alien. Not you. Sorry. I think Connor Scallions might be an alien. Um, you know, just two and a half weeks of literally being the biggest name in college football, bigger than Drake May, Caleb Williams, all that. And he came on this podcast to talk about it. Like, <laughs> now here's the real question with all of this. In the end, what do you think happens to Michigan? And then does seem you get into trouble at all? So I don't think um, I don't think Jim Harbaugh anything happens to him. And I actually it's it's probably shocking to say. And the reason why I say it is I actually think the CMU thing is the best thing to happen to Michigan and happen to Jim Harbaugh because there is no way Jim Harbaugh signs on a, signs off on him going to that MSU CMU game. There's no way. There's not a chance you can tell me Jim Harbaugh said, "Yeah, that's a great idea." With cameras, with it being an FS1 game on Friday night, there's no way Jim Harbaugh knew. There, there's and, a serious difference between I'm standing on the sideline versus I'm in the stands. Correct. So that correct. one feels way off the wall, out of pocket. He didn't know. Correct. He may have said, I'm going to the game. Right. He may have said that, which... We're not going to find proof of that. That's not going to happen because right. they're going to cover that shit up even if it happens. Right. And so, you know, I don't know scallions if you said it word to mouth <laughs> i don't know i i mean you venmo me for tickets you know i'm just saying you did venmo me for tickets you were at that game um and you know i was paying attention to the game i looked left and i didn't see you at some point so i don't know what you did during that time but there is no way you can tell me that jim harbaugh knew there's no way there, 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 there is no way jim harbaugh knew that now, does he know some of the other stuff, you know, where he went to other games? Sure. But here is my thing. Here is my biggest kicker with the CMU-MSU thing. And with him being a, a you know, a, choosing that game, right? Why that game, right? And, and everyone keeps saying, you know, oh, he's got CMU connections, right? You know, because Jim McElane from Michigan, you know, Sheryl Moore from, you know, CMU went to Michigan, is now the offensive coordinator, all that Blah, blah, blah. Sure, but we just talked about how easy it is to do that, right? So why not the Michigan State-Washington game? Why not a game that happens before Michigan State-Michigan where there are two potential opponents, right? CMU has no chance. Unfortunately, you know, we wish, right? We wish we went 12-0. But there was no chance CMU had of going undefeated and playing Michigan in the playoffs. So why that game? That's my biggest question is why that game? Why not Michigan State, Washington? 
Yeah, it's one of those things where just because CMU is a smaller school, it doesn't make it like easier to pose as them. It's I mean, almost harder. It probably makes it harder. Yeah, right. Because everyone uh, knows everyone. Yeah, you still get that one through fifty and the media passes and all that stuff. But yeah, that was kind of a interesting choice, and I think you're right if on this. If it's him, yeah, if it's him, which <laughs> you were at that game is all I'm saying. I know, you I know. were at the game. You Venmoed me for tickets. All uh, I, look, the reason I was gone for so long is I was trying to get through the crowds to be able to get to the bathroom, and you know how long that takes, all right? I think I have plausible deniability. That's I. You, that's why we didn't see you the second half. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> we, only, we only saw you in the first half when Bert made that jump on the uh, <laughs> on the equipment thing. <laughs> the, um, so the the problem with all of this for Central is that Michigan tie. Of like, wait, what if you willingly let the guy in and it was like actually planned? I don't believe that. And I think that's like grasping for straws. But that would be like the worst case, oh my God, nuclear scenario is like, oh yeah, we collaborated with them. But again, that for Jim McElane, that would make no sense. He's got exactly. it's it's literally the perfect job for him, right? He's even said it. He said you know, after two thousand nineteen when they went to the uh, Mac championship game, right? Um, you know, we thought we were gonna lose him, right? Because you know, he coached at Florida. You know, great coach at Colorado State. Great clo- great coach at Florida. We're thinking, oh, you know, there's going to be a Power 5, a smaller Power 5 school that's going to want to snag him up. And you know what? There still should be because I still think Jim McElhinney is a good coach, right? I think he's a better coach than some of these Power 5 schools. Like, I think he's a better coach than Purdue's head coach. But why would Jim McElhinney risk that for Michigan? Yeah, it's like that goes past the personal ties and loyalty. This is like a serious offense if it happened, and that's why it didn't happen. Now, the rest of this stuff probably did. And I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world. I know there was a recent poll about 50 different coaches, a lot of mixed schools in there, but one specific coach came out and said, hey, look, I don't really think that every team knows everything that goes on in their department. And it's kind of scary to say that. And this was a Sunbelt coach saying it, right? So if they're saying it and they don't think that they have total control of their football program, I don't think any of these big schools do too. It doesn't mean that they should be absolved of any wrongdoing and it was just one bad apple because that's not what happened here. But (laughs) man, I I think this is a much bigger thing and a lot more schools do it. I think what's going to happen here, though, and this is what it seems like from recent reports, and this is being recorded on November 2nd, but a lot of the last 24 <laughs> hours of reports are all Big Ten, you need to take action. There's nothing going to happen, though. Fed up. There's nothing you can do without hard evidence at this point, right? Because because it's all about, you know, I, so for the NCAA, unfortunately, it seems like it's a more guilty until proven innocent. That seems how it I mean, that's unfortunately, that's how it is a lot in the media, too, right? You know, something comes up, you're guilty until you're proven innocent, blah, blah, blah. And even then, you know, if if Michigan is proven innocent in this, right? You know, let's say the, the 1% chance that proven innocent or that, you know, the 50% chance that they've been operating in a gray area that they, you know, extended the gray area, right, Connor? That like, hey, there's this gray area that no one's ever taken advantage of and Michigan right. did it. If Michigan wins a national title this year, people are going to put an asterisk on it, just like Houston Astros. I think, even though I think the Houston Astros is worse, um, way worse, because that was in-game stuff. You know, that is pitch by pitch. They hacked in. They had their own video camera in, going every time. Now, if Michigan gets to that level, then I think there should be repercussions, right? Every if you have your own camera, which, by the way, 
I have never like I, I like I said, it has to be a rule. Like like I I you know, I'm not hundred percent sure on NCAA rules. But how can you tell me that there is not like a camera up in those booths, you know, up in the suites where someone's like, hey, you know, he's rubbing his shoulders, that means an all out blitz. How in today's age can you just be like, hey, shoulders, you know, I have you on radio, shoulders, shoulders. It, it, it's really funny to me that you say that because before this came out, I've always assumed that OCs and the million people that are up in the box with you who have uh, binoculars on are right. looking at that stuff. And that's exactly. part of the game, right? That, I always that, thought that, this was normal. The The difference here is what you said about Houston, right? That in-game stuff, right? And there's different levels of like what I'm comfortable with. I'm not comfortable with somebody using video recording equipment during a game to then take a sign and use it against them, right? So they like have a recording always using it. I don't mind people looking in real time, right? That's a big part of baseball, but, but, whatever. But, yeah. This is different than that. What's the different... Okay, What's the difference between, so you get tape of Michigan State, okay? You get tape, all right? The defensive coordinator rubs his shin. That means cover four, right? You get tapes, okay? When you get tape, you know this. You can see the sideline. Yeah. You can see the sideline. You can see a lot of the signs. So how our sign, you know, when we went to Eastern for the Eastern-Western game, you know, a lot of this stuff was blocked, right? But if you look at Western, when Western was doing their signs, their stuff is not blocked because it's Correct. going right into that. So when you're getting video of that, when Central Michigan is getting video of that, which, by the way, Jim McElwain, if you're listening to this, I got some signs for you, baby. I got some signs that I recorded from last Saturday. You know, when the coordinator hits his left elbow, they're bringing seven. All yeah, you I'm know, saying. You know my Venmo, Jim. You know what exactly. it is. Exactly. Hey, hey, Jim. I mean, you Venmoed him for tickets, which Venmo me for tickets. Anyways, uh, um, <laughs> so w- what I'm saying, though, is, is how, what's the difference to you if I have a video on the right side here, a monitor on the right side here of them, co- of just nothing but film on their defense, right? Of their defense, just, okay, and just I'm literally not even looking at their defense. I'm looking at the coordinator, then defense. What is the difference of me looking at that then looking at real time going, oh shit, he's doing this. I just saw this on the film here that I've got with me. Yeah, What's the it, difference? Yeah, the big difference here is the signs are more complex than we're describing it. Right? Correct. Uh, not only just the holding up the poster version of play call, but all the different complicated signals that each person is using for their positional group. Right. So when you're recording things like this, it takes out a lot of the trying to memorize and there's a lot of skizing and like mixes of things right so it's not like i touch my chin it's a blitz okay whatever um when you record that you have easy access just like you're in a film room of being able to keep looking at what's happening and keeping record of all of that you sure when you're doing this by hand you can write things down but it's a lot easier to go back and see a string of what's going on yeah versus when you're doing this in real time there's a bigger delay you're not going to have the information as quick, like say on the same drive when you're doing all this stuff by hand. I mean, what if you have a photographic memory though? Like that's uh, I mean, a little bit different, and I'm I'm not going to get into the psychology of photographic memories. I know, I know, I know. Shit, but that's that's a great. Topic. Well, I mean, you, you we'll, we'll do the, that on the Great Lakes Psychology Podcast. Well, well, I was going to say you having a military background, you know, like that. Uh... <laughs> oh, and how I li- how I've lived in California before, right? I yeah. mean, look, I'm not saying. <laughs> <laughs> Look, all I'm saying, Connor Scallions, is that the dots are are there. Okay, let's God, just say that. The, okay. the LinkedIn, uh, the LinkedIn 
that he had or that yeah that he had um before he took it down where he uh you changed your password <laughs> it's it's gone now um was it was it was it c scallions yeah u of m video department one <laughs> um or what is it u of m espionage department is what they yes, call it i yes. love those shirts those are good um yeah, so he he had a bunch of stuff on there about like analytics and the objective of beating your opponent and all this. It was pretty pretty much basically what I would say. So, admitting uh, to it. Admitting to it. It's hey, look. There's so, a lot of similarities. So, a- anyway. so I'll I'll touch back on the camera thing here because I I just have a thing I I I'll come back to that. But I'll come right back to that. One thing I want to bring up is, you know, I don't know if it's true or not, right? You know, the, the the media that's been following this has been, you know, from right field to left field. You know, oh my God. It, uh, you know, yesterday I saw U of M is going to get the death penalty. That's what I saw yesterday on a tweet Man. from someone with a check mark. And then guess what I saw? Everyone has a check mark, Justin. Right. I know. I know. I know. But then two days ago, I saw that Jim Harbaugh is about to sign an extension. When four days ago, they said that U of M pulled it and said, wait till the end of this. So I'm just saying the media has blown everything out of proportion on this, right? I mean, this is like the uh, biggest, I mean, it's the biggest news, again, it's the biggest news in college football in about 15, 20 years. Probably, yeah. un, un, probably unfortunately since um, Jerry Sandusky. Yeah, unfortunately. Un- unfortunately, I think that's true. I think yeah. some of it is how you consume media and what circles yes. and what sources well, I mean, I'm you on watch. Twitter, so unfortunately, yeah. that's, so, yeah. If you're yeah. A, if you're a ex user, then you're going to see a lot of circle jerk BS, and a lot what? of it is going to come from two sects of people. One is U of M fans countering it because U of M fans are fucking rabid online. Yes, uh, Benji's one of Espe- them. He's probably es- live tweeting right now, and especially this year when they're going to win the national title, when they're the favorite prior to yeah, win the when, national when title, when they are the favorite right now. And yeah. then I think which the is other- also which is also another like you know kind of conspicuous thing. Like if everyone knew it back in 2021. Why did no one speak up about it then? Right, like that's so. That's that's something I want to talk. Hold, but, hold on. But, but, but uh, before we, I was saying, I was there's so much we got to talk there's about. So here. Much. I mean, we, this is such we an interesting do a, thing. We literally could go a whole podcast. You, you about thought this. you were listening to a Mac podcast and instead you're hearing about our rambling about the best slash worst news story in college football. I mean, it's it's awesome. It, I you know what? I can't wait for the Netflix documentary about it or the ESPN thirty for thirty. It's it it's. What if be, I told you? <laughs> that what if one I told GA. you? <laughs> yes, change the whole landscape of college football because that's what he's doing. He's changing the whole landscape. It's going to end up in rule changes. Yeah, because you can't do this anymore. You're not going to be allowed to do this anymore. But what I was going to say, though, and where I was going with the media thing, Connor, was apparently in his like notebook and in his like you know kind of like manifesto or whatever is he wants to take over for Jim Harbaugh. He wants to be the head coach of Michigan football. He is that avid of a fan to where he goes to this extent. He goes above and beyond what is needed from him to prove that he wants to bring Michigan, that he has that passion to bring Michigan to the next level. That's apparently his motivation. It's pretty interesting because the guy doesn't really have a big football background. That's when you look at all of it. He, he did work with Navy and he's done a lot of the stuff. Should that- we investigate Navy? <laughs> shoot 2015 navy what, i mean they haven't been good since exactly they haven't been good since that's all i'm saying uh, uh, but triple option no, I, I, no, scouting. I agree like it, he ha- he literally goes above and beyond to do what he's doing you know and you know props to him for having that motivation right props to him for having you know i i wish i had that motivation on my job to be that good 
I truly do. But at what point does it become a little over over the top? And and what you were talking about with a football background, there is no way Michigan's gonna ever hire this dude. And this is before this, right? There yeah. is no way Michigan can be like, oh, our great scouting dude who has no football background, who's never played, who never coached, and all this. Yeah, we're gonna make him head coach. There's no way. There's, there's yeah, it, no. It takes it takes a lot of steps, right? Like this is kind of an Eric Spolstra's thing of you start in the film room and you work your way up, and that takes a lot of time. If but basketball is different than football. Tell t- tell me the last like, a, tell me the tell me a coach right now that you know in the Power Five that either never played or was never an assistant. Couldn't couldn't name that because that's, that's not a thing. They don't exist. Everyone assists and everyone does other jobs, right? And the the road to this is long. Like he would. He would have to be waiting a long time to be able to get a serious coaching position, but maybe this was kind of a serious thing because this was data analytics, and that's grown tremendously over the past twenty years. Yeah, I just it's it's like I said, I I know we've been pretty much talking about this for the whole podcast now, pretty much about twenty minutes, and it's been uh, I've enjoyed so much about it because it's again the most interesting story in college football in the past 15 years dude it's so weird it just came out of nowhere and it's like something that is based in reality right something definitely happened but we don't have enough information for what and then the investigation's ongoing and they have they have these computers and they have this data and i assume there's people going through this right now and like i i do digital forensics so that's why this is so interesting to me is because they have people doing what i do right now probably for some big government organization trying to figure out what exactly is on here and if there's some sort of financial fraud that happened because of the Venmo payments and all the travel included. And then there's stuff coming out about like, well, he's done this since 2021 or he did this before then because he was working unpaid or he wasn't actually associated with the university yet, but he was doing it anyway. Like this could have all been some dude's passion project and then he gets picked up because he's such a super fan. Right. Now he's the center of the college football universe for like, three weeks right and 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 you know again and this is you know i I talked about how him going to the cmu msu game is actually probably the best thing for jim harbaugh because again jim harbaugh wouldn't sign off on it like this dude is like i i I don't want to use the word crazy right i don't want to use like i i want to say over passionate right because he's not crazy he's just extremely invested in the program and the future of football I agree, but I would never go like like I I, I love CMU football, man. Yeah, like, and I would I I joke and say I would do anything for them to be twelve and zero, but I wouldn't go this far because I can like kind of rationally think like, hey, if I ever get caught, I'm done. And I think he's kind of blinded to that. I think you know he was like, oh, I'm never gonna get caught, even <laughs> though with all the paper trail he had, right? Like again, you've been mowed me for the MSU. Yeah, take- I was gonna say, dude, I'd do this. Hundred percent for CMU. I don't. I'd do this all day. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would though. What's going to happen to me? What's the worst thing that's going to happen to me? I mean, yeah, you're not going to go to jail. There's nothing unless I actually committed fraud and there's financials involved, which that that might be a thing here. That's that, that, and that's that's where I was going to say. That's where I think I would draw the line. Is yeah. because it's but because the salary that he's allegedly getting there's no way he could afford all these tickets no now, and, uh, <laughs> that's the the fraud part about it's too like the using personal venmo and all this other stuff like all you had to do is cover this up just a tiny bit better not that hard here's, now here's a question i have for you you know you may or may not know this best but what if it was a uh, booster money you know how nil you can pay players what if it's you know some 
multi-billionaire booster that's like, hey, like, you, you know, someone on the coaching staff comes up and goes, hey, dude, this guy's stealing signs and has been just dominating stealing signs, but here's his system. You know, they literally, like, lay a blueprint of his system and go, hey, here's the finances we need. And it's literally just a millionaire, billionaire donor that gives him money for it. What do you Wouldn't think about be surprised that? at all. Wouldn't be surprised at all if that's the case. So is that, but, I, honestly, but is that I illegal? Takes that, no, I don't think it's illegal for the donor to give the money. That's and what I'm saying. The person. It depends how much U of M is involved, right? And that's what we need the investigation to uncover. I think uh, U of M, I, I don't think U of M, the university itself is involved. I don't think Jim Harbaugh is involved. Do I think maybe someone on the coaching staff is? Yes. Do I think that someone on the coaching staff went up to Jim Harbaugh and was like, hey, I can get us an advantage and Jim Harbaugh's like, Hey man, you know, anything we can do to win, help me out. Yeah. Right. And, and right. That's kind but, of what this boils down to is, that, is like, you're looking but, for an advantage. You're always looking for an advantage. You don't necessarily know where it comes from, but, but somebody that, with data analysts says it, you believe it. But does that mean Jim Harbaugh's at fault? Uh, under the NCAA rules, he's at fault actually. See, but then, but I want you to talk about what you told me earlier yeah. about that G5 school. I want you to go on about that. Yeah. About the Sunbelt school saying, yes. you know, Oh, we about don't the 50, control. Right. The 50 so, yeah. Right. So that's the thing. Harbaugh might not know about any of this stuff. I, I don't know. I re- personally, I don't think he knows. Well, but, you would know best. Right. But bylaw 1161 basically says that this is prohibited. And then, oh yeah, another bylaw. Uh, I had it looked up because I'm a huge freaking nerd. Well, you, you would know the rules that might be potentially broken. So, What is the <laughs> other one? Shoot. Oh, 11-1-2-1 in the bylaws. That's the one that says, like, yo, this is all the head coach's fault. Because regardless of if you know or not, you're presumed to have knowledge of what's occurring in the program and can be, like, prosecuted, basically. So there's my legal TLDR, not a lawyer. But that's what's going to get him in trouble if anything happens. But he's not getting fired. All this stuff about, like, oh, it's they're going to lose all these wins. None of that stuff's going to happen, in, in my opinion. Um, it's not going to happen right right away, at least. I, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen at all this season. I think we're going to have some off-season debates, but I don't think anything's going to happen. Uh, what punishment do you actually think is going to come down so we can wrap this up? I think, I think in five to eight years, they're going to make them vacate wins. Ooh, okay. Yeah, not surprising, right? They, they've done that same thing, but but, a here, few but times. here's but here's the thing. I've said it. You and you've seen me say in the group chat. As a fan, who cares? Yep. If, you won. If, C, if CMU goes twelve and zero and we win a national title, you're telling me in five to eight years? Oh no, that title wasn't worth. You think I care? You think yeah, I care? You don't. I don't. I don't at all. I don't at all. Like like I was talking to I was talking to Eddie. You know, from um from BDE Sports Sports Talk podcast. I was talking to him at work today, and or not today, earlier this week, and we both go, "I wish CMU cheated." <laughs> and it's, it's, it's like it's like we don't really wish that, right? You never wish your team cheated. You wish they were naturally better than the other team that you just have. You know, Magic McElwain as your head coach. But from a fan perspective, you get your wins. You don't care. You don't care because you're enjoying it. If you're Look, as a lion, Connor, I want you to answer this question. This is probably the best Lions season you've seen in your lifetime, right? Yeah. Probably the best Lions team it's you've the seen best in Lions your lifetime. team anyone has seen in their lifetime, it's no matter the most how old you are. Fun and enjoyable Lions team you've had in your lifetime, right? Yeah. What if in two years it comes out, oh, they had a Spygate thing? Do you care? Uh, yeah, actually, because it's professional yeah. sports. There's there's different standards but, there. But but if they win a Super Bowl, they don't take the memory of that Super Bowl away. Exactly, and I'm still okay. That's with what that. I was like saying. It, that. it, that's... it really lessens it for me. 
But just like me looking at the MSU sideline and taking pictures in my head, that picture in my head of a Lions Super Bowl being raised will never leave my head, no matter that's, how stripped away it is or how many that, asterisks you put on. And and, and we'll and we'll finish this up here because we literally spent thirty five minutes on it. <laughs> but again, it's been the most it, it, it's it's the most fun thing to talk about because that's all there is. It's the biggest dominating thing in sports, honestly. Probably since the Astros cheated, probably the biggest thing in sports. Um, I don't like. There's no way you can't tell me that other schools don't have some type of system like this. Maybe not this broad, right? Maybe not like Connor, you're Venmoing me for tickets, bro, right? right? But you're telling me that Georgia doesn't know Michigan signals by now. And also, one more thing before I go into that, every so I played high school football. We changed our signals every week. Every week we changed our signals. Because you never because because on game on game film that you give to the team, they can see the sidelines. So again, you know, when I'm touching my knee and I hit my, you know, hit my right thigh, oh, that means, hey, we're running a spider 2Y, right? When I check down or here, here's the big, like I said, I, I hate that we're taking so much time on it, but I love it. I love it so much. When we're watching the NFL, Connor, and you've got Tony Romo, he says kill and Tony Romo calls the play. If Tony Romo can call the play, don't you think that like the defensive coordinator would know that? See, this is exactly how I think too, Justin, because uh, for, I love the commentary by Romo. I love when people talk about actual play calling techniques and, oh, this is why they're doing this and you can tell this by this, right? When people break it down and a lot of, a lot of commentary guys do this, there's a handful, I guess. You don't think every program has somebody up there who can do it? Yes. There's so many coordinators. There's so many GAs who this is their job to study this stuff. Right. Everyone is doing this. It's the inclusion of cameras. And it's how blatant the stuff was done. Bro, That's dude, what it spoils down to. Dude, Tony Romo goes, hey, he yelled kill. That means run. Tony Romo says that on the national media. You're telling me the defensive corner, hey, he yelled kill. He's not telling the head coach to tell the defense that. Or like the Manning cast when they're like calling up plays. Not right. by idea, but just because they lined up. Oh, yeah, they're going to do this. Like how, the right I, how can you tell me that like Manning and Romo and you know all these quarterbacks can see this? But like you know, Michigan's defensive coordinator can't see. He can see that. Obviously, he, he knows it. This. Everyone, sees everyone it. sees it. I agree. I agree, and that's why. And that's why I think like you know, this is the biggest thing in college football since again, probably Jerry Sandusky, unfortunately. But it's also maybe a nothing burger because it's complicated. And I think that's kind of what it all boils down. I mean, to. that's why we spoke on it for thirty minutes. Yeah, it let, is let, me, let me end it and say what I think is going to happen, and let's finally get to some action. But in my opinion, what the big thing or the big thing that's going to come out of all of this is the rules are going to change and we're going to see a change to both of those bylaws, both the one that doesn't allow away game recording and all that stuff and the one that makes a coach liable for everything. Um, I think both of those are going to change. I think that we're not going to see a resolution to this anytime soon. Uh, I'm not, I don't think it's going to be like the eight years out thing, but that's really interesting. And I'm starting to think about it um, just because I don't think they're going to strip anything unless this blows up. Um, I think a lot of what's going to happen is going to end up being financial stuff and actual fraud versus the sign stealing being bad. Well, then that's not on the football program. And exactly. That's on, and I don't yeah. think it's going to end up falling on the program. So I don't think any actual punishment is going to happen. Um, unless some I hope you, new information. I hope you don't go to out. jail, man. Is all I'm saying. I right. hope you don't go to jail. Yeah, because uh, 
there's a lot of Ohio State fans in jail, right? So, <laughs> and with that, I think it's time to move on. But I, I've got I've got one more thing to say, oh, okay. and, and, then, and then I promise we'll move on after this. Uh, the rule was created in 1994, by the yes. way, to uh, even the playing field between the Power Five and G Five, pretty much, because it's not fair for you know a Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State to go send their rec- their you know scouts that they pay more than probably you know, CMU's head coach to go scout CMU. That's what the rule was for. It never was about power five versus power five. That they, they legit, like you asked the person that created the rule, like and then when they signed off on it, they said, Hey, we know it happens at the sec level. We know it happens at the big 10 level. We know it happens between some schools. We're not going to say, but that are really prominent in today's age. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Michigan, Ohio State, Nebraska at the time in 1994. They knew it was happening. They did it so Marshall would have a chance at that time, right? They did it so, you know, all these smaller schools who can't afford a Connor Scallions. Uh, how much are you getting paid, man? You know, so like, like, I'm a volunteer. <laughs> yeah, okay, allegedly. Yeah, you're a nonprofit institution, so you don't pay tax on it. I see what you did there. Um, but that's what the whole rule was for, was to even the playing field between the haves and the have nots. And so, if this was something along the lines of where, like, you know, CMU did hire him to scout all their opponents, then that is just, a, like, the biggest mind-blowing thing in the world. That didn't happen. And all the haves have been doing this and will continue to do it forever. Now... Back to Maction, baby. Because this week was electric, man. This week was awesome. We're going to cover October 28th games. We actually went to one. It was awesome. You know, let's recap week 10, week 9, week 10. uh, Maction packed slate for the conference. All 12 teams played. And we'll start with the Saturday, October 28th games. We're going to start with Miami, Ohio. They went into Athens, Ohio and beat their rivals handily two touchdowns to pretty much punch their ticket to Detroit. They're not officially going to Detroit, but they're pretty much, unless. Connor Scallions comes down and help doesn't help them out. Uh, they're going to Detroit. They won thirty to sixteen. Connor, I mean, th- I mean, you look at the box score and you can't. H- how did they win? It's really confusing, isn't it? And th- in a game that had so many implications for you know who's going to the MAC championship, probably the biggest thing that matters this year. You're starting a backup quarterback. You don't really know what's going on with your offense, and then you look at the yardage and time of possession. Then you're like, wait a second, Miami Ohio won thirty to sixteen. It, nothing really adds up with that, and it's kind no. of incredible that that happened. And obviously, we didn't get to watch this live because we were at another game. But like, you look at scoreboard checking, and you just look at the game flow, and then you're like, "Yeah, I can't put it together. I don't know how Miami of Ohio really did all this." Because turnovers are a big thing, as we're going to talk about with Bowling Green later. Only one turnover by Ohio this game, and it wasn't insanely costly. You look at the field position battle, though, and that's where you see a lot of the wins for Miami Ohio. Punter went off. Had a lot of good returns on kick retur- or on punt returns. That's going to get you a lot of yards that you just don't see on the stat sheet. So I think that's really what it boiled down to: is great special teams play. Is it 14 points worth of special teams play? Ah, don't know about that. But kind of shocking win, huh? It, it, it's a game that where you have to watch it to believe it with the stats, pretty much. Uh, you know, I actually lied bet them while we were at our friend Leiden's place, and because I saw the stats. I looked yeah. at the stats. I was like, it's like Rourke's got 250, no interceptions. They're down a touchdown. I'm like, oh, 
he's just going to throw for 75 yards here on this drive because it doesn't seem like they stopped him. And, you know, I lost money on that. And I lost money on another game we're going to talk about here soon. But um, it just, I mean, special teams, special teams wins championships. It does. You know, there's there's three facets of football you got to play. Offense, defense, special teams. Special teams is always the one that's the least looked after, right? Least looked over. And guess what? It cost Ohio probably a shot at the MAC championship this year. Yeah, it sure did. And you kind of feel bad for some of those guys because, you know, Rourke, super senior, wigless, has been a staple for quite a while. And uh, for a team to be this good and then not go to the MAC championship in a year that they probably should be contending again, pretty disappointing. And I'm honestly pretty disappointed in them. Especially after their big wins against FAU and yep. Iowa State. You know, you, you tell me they beat Iowa State and FAU, I'm thinking, oh, they easily walk the Mac East, but you know they lost to Western. Like yeah, yeah. So, but speaking of Western, you know the next game we're going to talk about is the one Connor stole signs at. I mean, uh, <laughs> the one Connor and I went to, and that we may or may not have videotaped Western sidelines for our boy Magic McElwain for Tuesday, this upcoming Tuesday, uh, was you know Eastern versus Western, the Battle of '94, the Pothole Trophy game, and unfortunately for the home crowd, Western dominated from the start. It was it was pretty much all Western. There was a little sprinkle of Eastern hopefulness, um, but Connor, I think I've told you this at this game, but I've never seen an up tempo rushing attack live. Like it that, would, that, that, it almost reminded me of the Rich Rodriguez. Honestly, offense. I was thinking back to Oregon. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it it was very rapid, and man, they just attacked all game. And and and, and I think the one thing that I loved the most. And I hated that it was Western, but they knew they were going to get what they wanted because we were talking about it, right? You know, we were talking in the third quarter. We're like, why are they snapping the ball with 15, 20 seconds left on the play clock? Because it didn't matter. Because it didn't matter. They knew they were going to get the first down. Because, because when you're up 21, you want to try to shorten the game. You know, you, you, you want to, and we'll talk about the, you know, CMU NIU because it's exactly what CMU did. But you want to try to make sure you run as much time off that clock as possible. And Western's offense is built that way from a rushing attack perspective, but not the up tempo. And they just said, you know what? This is who we are. Yep. You see it in the play call counts. Uh, they had so many possessions that they actually ran the ball. And you're like, oh, you're trying to kill the clock. No, they just kept doing it with 20 seconds to go. And that's how you get some of the eye popping stats that they ended up with. Um, but it, it was all about defense. That's kind of what set the tempo for this whole game. And, you know, right before this, I was talking about it because NCAA finally got the rosters updated and those guys did a lot of hard work to pull it off. But one of the old achievements is called tire fire sale, where you win a game by getting safeties, field goals and defensive touchdowns. And you could basically take away all that amazing offense that Western was putting out there because two safeties multiple freaking turnovers from yep. Eastern scoop and score, play. Yeah, scoop and score for Western. They really could have won this game without any offense. And any time that Eastern seemed to have momentum and we're like, okay, comeback time. Uh, they just literally dropped the ball onto the turf. So yeah, kind of a tough one. Um, we're going to spend a little extra time on this. Cause like I said, we went to the game fun experience. I will say very if good. You, if you love football, if you love just pure football, it was awesome. Connor, that we could hear what, what Eastern was saying on the sidelines, what the yep. players were saying. We, we I, made a mistake by ranking this so low in our stadium rankings. Well, the, I, I still think the stadium itself deserved the ranking. I think the atmosphere, the ambiance, 
the like I think that boosted up. Does that make sense? Like the actual it does. And the gray turf is not as bad as what it looks. On no, camera. it is way better in person versus TV. You can much it, easily, much more easily see the difference in the grays on every five yard, uh, except for the one that was kind of weird. But yeah, yeah, it was a lot better in person. It actually makes the game pretty easy to watch, and it's easy to ball spot. So there, I actually kind of liked it. Yeah, and, and you know we're going back next year for Eastern Central for sure. Because why not? And and probably Eastern Toledo. Uh, and, and the reason why we're choosing for everyone listening, the reason why we're choosing Eastern is because it's Ypsilanti. It's the closest Mac town to us. Yeah. And it's the, y- there's a lot of benefits with this too, because if, if you are used to going to big football games, college or pro or whatever, you have all these difficulties that are attached to it, right? You got to find parking. You got to find places to go before oh the God, game. Parking. You got to find a place to tailgate. You got to find beer. a restaurant for later. You got to find beer, beer lines. lines. You know, all this stuff in stadiums that makes you kind of not think about football. And that's the opposite of what you want to do at a game, right? And Eastern. Or, or, or make you not want to go to the game. Right, right, right. Like, like, hey, it's I want like to sit a, on my couch. Yeah, plus cost, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I love the lines. Am I paying $200 to go fight through parking and traffic and all this stuff to go to a game and no. go to half the game and pay $14 for beer? No. Correct. Yeah. Uh, unless we make the playoffs and then I'll take out a loan. But <laughs> sell your this, kidney. Yeah, just sell, sell a just, kidney. No, just sell your footage that you've been recording. It's uh Yeah, I'll have to get a new Venmo because my current one's <laughs> unlocked. <laughs> um, they're taking it down. Yeah, they're taking that one down, honestly. I think some three letter organizations looking at it right now. Oh and a four letter one. Uh <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so stadium was very simple, and I think the simplicity is what made it so good and easy. Parking was right next to the stadium free. and free. Uh, if you want to go VIP, sure, whatever. But like they just, it was free. There's no reason to go VIP. Right, exactly. Um, we, we, we parked, and there are five people down from where we parked. That people would tailgate for free. Yeah, for free. People were really nice. It was simple to get in. Right, yeah. just go through the detectors. Four things: one major entrance. Boom. Done. No beer line. No beer line. We walk up right before the game to go grab a couple of beers, which were reasonably priced. $5 Bush Lights, um, $7 Seltzers, $9 Craft. Yep. And that's like a bar. Yeah. You just go right up to your seat in the stands and boom, easy. And, uh, you know, obviously they have the top of the stands covered, but on probably the majority of the midfield, 30 to 30, I'd say great seats. Right. Yeah. There's nowhere that I'd say is bad, so it doesn't really matter where you end up as long as you're near the middle, right? Which wasn't a problem because of how many people are going to these, right? Right. And and, and that's what I was trying to say is is if you love pure football, if you love pure football, it was pr- it, I wouldn't say it was the most fun I've had a football game, right? Because of all these trips we've been on, they've all been fun in their own way. But from a pure football aspect of us, you know, not tailgating, us going for, you know, content and just to watch a game, that might have been the most fun I've had because Again, we could hear what the coaches were saying. We, you know, there was a there was a wide receiver for Eastern. I forgot his name, but he came off the field and he goes, "I uh, excuse my language." He goes, "Guys, we were fucking better than that." Like, dude, I can't tell you the last time I heard that from a player at a game I'm seeing because I'm so goddamn far away because that's the only seats I can afford, and we bought these tickets for twenty dollars. Yeah, it was actually great because the, after one of the turnovers, uh, I think it was actually the Austin Smith interception, he slammed his helmet and he said, y'all go get that one back for us. Yeah. And I was like, I love this. This is great. This is like, yeah, a, this is one of the best value experiences for a football game. Yeah. And, and speaking of Austin Smith, 
Uh, funny story though, you know, just a random happenstance, you know, what are the chances of this Connor, right? Uh, so the backup, so Austin Smith didn't start the game. It was, uh, Ike Indugu, I think his name is. I don't, the third, I, I can't say his last name. Dungu, I believe. Dungu, yeah, I think so. So it was him who started the game. He threw a, you know, a pass that he probably wants to have back. You know, he, the receiver's coming across the middle. He threw behind him and I go, come on, Austin, you gotta do a better throw than that. Austin Smith's mom was sitting next to us when I said this and she goes Austin's not starting I go oh ma'am I'm so sorry like like I thought it was him because Austin's number four EK is number three and so I thought it was Austin and she goes oh no it, it, she's like it's fine sweetie it's fine he, no he's just not sorry he rolled his ankle the last game I was like it's like I saw him play against NIU all the way through she goes yeah you know he rolled his ankle on the last play and he's supposed to be out seven to ten days so like it's just Again, for $20, we're sitting next to the starting quarterback's mother, and we're having a conversation about how great Chris Creighton is and how great of a family man he is and, and how her son, like, you know, she loves Easter, and she was like, she was like, oh, my gosh, you guys are the loudest ones here. Like, you're cheering, and you guys didn't even go here. And <laughs> yeah, like, we did hey, get into it a couple of we times. Did. Like, for, for as bad as the game was at points, there were some really tense and exciting moments. Yeah. And, you know, it was just really enjoyable, actually. It was. It was. And, and you know, she's an awesome, awesome person, lovely lady. Like, I hope I, – I wish nothing but the best for Austin Smith. He's got two years of eligibility left, but they want to stay. You know, that was the biggest thing I talked to her about. I was like, hey, dude, you know, that he's got two years. Does he want to transfer? She goes, no. And it's like, I'd love to see that. You know, you know, especially in a conference that loses talent to the Power Five easily and other, you know – g5 you know would you rather play at south alabama or cmu i mean it's you know weather wise you'd rather play at south alabama yeah so they're he's from georgia too so yeah. it's kind of like a, well it's got crazy ties. that his mom comes to every game yep so anyways she was an awesome awesome person she you know great environment just i mean it was more of a fam. It reminded me more of a kind of a high school family aspect environment. Like I said, there was not that many loud people, which kind of took away a little bit from the game. Um, the student section wasn't really there. I didn't see much of a student section, but unfortunately, what happened was is Western went up twenty-one nothing so quick that it took everything out of the game. Right? Yeah. Like if it was like ten seven at halftime. I bet that place would have been louder. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of interesting because the uh, unlike how we did it, so at Central, we had basically free entry to any CMU game and you just showed up, showed your ID, got in, right? Uh, they still have to go get a ticket for the game, kind of like we did for bigger games. And uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. And for a student section, it didn't really look like there actually was one. It was kind of more dispersed out, but it might have just been because so many people were gone after the first couple of touchdowns. Yeah, and and one, one more thing I'll put too is um, the away side is general admission, by the way. So next year when we go to Eastern and Western, I kind of want to sit on the Eastern sideline just because, again, I loved it. But general admission on the away sideline, we can get front row next to the CMU sideline. Why not, right? Yeah, that'd be perfect for me, honestly. Uh, just exactly. bring my hat. Yeah, I mean, well... No, you want to be in the eastern sidelines. Well, no, you're right. You gotta you gotta zoom in because you have the interns that were blocking it. You're exactly. Right. You're right. So now for the most wonderful time of the college football year, we are the first week of action, boys, and oh my goodness, did it not disappoint! From an opening kickoff to the house to a whiteout in Mount Pleasant on a Tuesday gave us peak action, and then the boys battled 
in in Metro Cleveland for the wagon wheel. And good lord, what a game that was! Thank you, Joe Moorhead. Thank you to the boys at Akron. Thank you, DJ Undercuffler. Thank you guys for making that historic comeback, cashing my live bets. I got one Connor at plus sixteen hundred. I put twenty five down, won four hundred dollars off of that. You know, that's I mean, and I I showed you the rest. I got one at plus eight hundred, one at plus sixteen hundred, one at plus nine and a half. And you know, to Joey and Dean that are listening, Joey, I told you, I said Akron's not losing this game, but you know, we'll go more into that. You know, BG at uh, Bowling Green is one game closer to bowl eligibility. But let's start with CMU versus NIU. Yes, Massive sir. dub for our boys. Massive dub. You know, they did give us a scare on Halloween as they, you know, it's Halloween. They should give us a scare. But what a game it was. The, the funniest thing for me at the start of this game, because the snow, right? Uh, this is a week before I predicted the first snow game. Uh, I'm pretty sure because I was talking about that Buffalo game next week as, oh, yeah, it's going to snow this week. So I was a little bit off. I'm not a meteorologist. I love snow football. And so uh, getting to see this happen again, maybe not like the Western game last year because that was the best, but uh, getting to see us dominate on the ground yet again when it snows, I think that might be a theme and it might be something we need to keep looking at because Luke's was a monster. Honestly, it was like the stats he puts up for me in NCAA where he gets 20 carries and he puts up 200 yards. Oh yeah, he actually did that in real life. Go figure. Kind of wild, right? I mean, it was it was awesome. It was It was one of those games you know i i forgot her name on twitter but um when i was you know following um max sports and i saw a tweet she said cmu she said jace bauer told her that cmu has not played a full game a complete game this year that was the first complete game outside maybe the fourth quarter i still hold the fourth quarter a little you know that was a little scary right because they didn't get a first down in the fourth quarter yeah, it's but, actually one of those things where I'm like, I'm not sure how afraid I should be of that performance near the end because you had so much room, give them the room, who cares, right? But at the same time, you want to play every single possession like it's a nil-nil game. Uh, I don't know. I, looking at the sheet of who actually got playing time, they did go pretty deep, so... They yeah, won. I get it. They, they won. won. They won. If, if, you know, if they don't win, we're going to talk about a team here coming up soon about that blue uh, mm-hmm. 17-point lead. If they don't win then you start to question the coaches, right? But because right. CMU won and they had a big defensive stop late, got a pick, they won. It was a good, it, it, you know, they, I mean, they took off three. I mean, for not getting a first down, they took off three minutes of drive because, you know, they just ran the ball and they snapped the ball with one second left. So, you know, 90, 45, 45, 45, 45, that's, you know, two and a half minutes plus the plays. Yep. So, you know, they won. Um, but next game we're going to talk about was the other game that was on Tuesday. And, you know, it wasn't as exciting as what CMU and IU was. But, you know, Toledo continues to dominate. And, Connor, I know, you know what? You know what I just figured out? You haven't been spying for the Bulls this year. And that's why they've been bad. Well, honestly, look, uh, I would want to go to a lot of away games if I was a Bulls fan. Because then I wouldn't have to deal with the home stadium anymore. <laughs> I mean, there's probably not a good sight line in that for you to be able to to steal signs at. Well, it also so. seems like Cole Snyder doesn't have a sight line to his receivers because he can't seem to hit a single <laughs> one of them. I mean, yeah, when you throw 33% completion percentage, like 14 for 41, that's awful. It, it's been kind of weird because he hasn't had accuracy all year. I think he's thrown something like 55% ah. right now after that horrible game. But this was a complete deviation of like, oh my God, you got worse. 
Because I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I, I don't think, think so. His accuracy's been bad. Uh, it just it you know, and, the, and the, there's a reason why pre you know preseason rankings are what they are because you have to go out and play the game. How mm-hmm. is Brett Gabbert not above Cole Schneider in the preseason All Mac? Yeah, I don't know, man. And you know, I think some of this boils down to play calling because we we're talking about it off stream here a little bit. But like, I like average depth of target and average uh, yards per pass or per drop back. I like stats like that because I think it gives you a better idea of like what kind of a position are you putting these players in? The guy who's throwing 65% might be throwing six yards pass. Cole goes deeper on a lot of his stuff. Maybe that's a little bit of it, but he dropped back 41 times and you only get 151 yards. It doesn't matter what kind of routes you're throwing to. You got to actually hit somebody. I agree. Like <laughs> you're spot on. I mean, there's not there's not much more to say. Like you throw forty one times, you better have fifty percent completion percentage and at least two touchdowns and at least two hundred yards. Yeah, and on the other side with Toledo, the Penny Boone dominance continues. Uh, Seven point three yards per carry now. He's right under a thousand yards. Clear first team All Max selection in my opinion. Uh, his stuff has been insane, and Easy. this is a guy I didn't expect to be their lead back. So shout out to him for putting on such a show this season. I would be. Very happy about him as you're running back in the future as a Toledo fan. Agreed. Uh, I don't think he's going to leave or anything like that. It's not like, oh my <laughs> God, he's that much better. Uh, and that's True. kind of a Marcus Cooper fallout, right? Because he was so dang good. And then now he's average. Eh. True. True. I will say I'm still a little iffy on Daquan Finn. Like, it, yep. it's, Agreed. he has great games. Then he has turnovers are an issue. Yep. I mean, that's the only way they lose these games is they beat themselves. Um, and like I said, they didn't lose this one because they manhandled Buffalo. You know, we're going to go to the Wednesday night games now. And uh, the first game on Wednesday night was kind of a snooze fest. You know, Bowling Green versus Ball State, two teams that love to run the ball and that have good defenses. And, you know, it wasn't much of a shootout or anything crazy that happened. But Bowling Green won 24 21. I mean, not much really to talk about here because. You know, it kind of went back and forth, but it's kind of what you expected. You kind of expected yep. Bowling Green to ex- escape with this win. Even, I mean, Ball State was probably playing their best football of the year coming off that CMU game. Um, and Bowling Green, you know, they beat Buffalo. But again, it's just these two teams are just meh to me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I would say this is probably Ball State's best showing of the year, which is kind of sad to say, but this is what they have to work with. Um, Cooper definitely isn't as good. Like I was saying, he's more average, 25 and 90. Fine, whatever. Uh, The whole thing for me is Bowling Green has forced more turnovers or has a better turnover differential than any other team in the college football, which is shocking to me because of Basilac's performances, right? He's had some pretty... uh, We'll just say bad, pretty bad performance. Abysmal. Abysmal, yeah. Uh, today was not one of those. He actually did great with that. Uh, but outside of that, really, there wasn't too much going on in this game until the fourth quarter. And yeah. I think that there may have been a little bit of like, I don't know. I, I Look, at the end of the game, when you get the ball back, right, and you're ball state, and they have already kicked the field goal, so they're only up by three. Bowling Green is you've got to be able to go down the field. And I know Ball State has gone through, I think this is their third quarterback they've tried out this year. You've got to be able to get the ball down the field. Um, The quarterback can't throw the ball. Couldn't do it, yeah. Not a a great 
showing, honestly. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, that, that was, that was the case against Toledo too. You know, like, like the Toledo game earlier this year was the same thing. They were down. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I'm thinking of Miami of Ohio. You Miami are, of yeah. Ohio's backup. Yeah. Sorry. Miami of Ohio's backup was kind of the same way. He couldn't throw the ball and, you know, f- yeah. I mean, you're spot on. Uh, it's kind of was- weird too. I'd expect if you're going to throw this sort of depth and you're going to do these sort of things, get your tight end more involved, right? This is a young quarterback and all of theirs are young. They've been trying out lately, but get your tight ends more involved, right? You only threw to him one time. Granted, you only completed nine passes, but like there's a lot you can be doing to work the inside with play action when you're running the ball this much. Maybe yeah. a little more of that needs to be added to the play calling. I mean, wh- where was the play calling that they did against CMU? I know. I, again, right? It's different teams, different game. And that's, you know, kind of full circle back to the Connor Scallions thing that you do, right? It's uh, <laughs> you change your signs, change your playbook every week. So I get it. But it's, I don't know. Just, I don't know. There's a reason why they're not going bowling, though, this year. Yep. And they're officially out. Bowling Green only needs one more. They only need one more. Um, but, you know, the next thing we're going to talk about is... Oh man, what a game it was! Mm-hmm. The battle for the wagon wheel. Also, but uh, before we go on, the wagon wheel, great trophy, great any, trophy. Any sort of rivalry trophy, love it. Absolutely adore yes. rivalry trophies. We need more yes. and more. It's like we've said before in the preseason. Love it. Yes, everything you could want in a in a game was on display. Some good defense, great plays, points, a monumental collapse and comeback at the same time all happened. Akron won 31-27. And before we get into the uh, recap, Akron was down 27-10 going into the fourth quarter. Before we go into the recap, I just want to say that. But it was electric. I mean, it was... Again, I'm a little biased, right? Because I had, you know, money on Akron. I had money on Akron pregame, too. I had So I had Akron minus four. And I was like, okay, you know, like this should be the game that Akron wins, right? This should be the first conference game that Akron wins. And the fighting Kenny Burns came out and just stuck it to Akron. Absolutely stuck it to him, kicked him in the mouth and said, hey, we're going to win our fifth straight wagon wheel. And they, you know, they almost did, Connor. I mean, it was, that's the best game Kent State's played all year. Yeah, especially the second quarter of the game. They just absolutely dominated. Their defense would not break. They wouldn't allow touchdowns. And they just moved on offense. It seems like every time they had the ball. And then it stopped. That was weird, right? Well, I can tell you why it stopped. Krishan McCray went down. Mm. He had six receptions, 161 yards, and two touchdowns. Like, he, he was like DeAndre Hopkins or like Julio Jones. He was cooking corners. Uh, like like you cook your potatoes with scallions on it, right, Connor? <laughs> like he was cooking the corners like that. He was roasting them. He was getting whatever he wanted, and and the four and the start of the fourth quarter. It might have been the towards the end of the third quarter, the start of the fourth quarter. It was a little late when I was watching the game. Uh, he had a bad leg injury and he had to get carted off. Um, and it almost it, it looked like a just kind of a routine tackle. I think what happened was is is he kind of fell forward and his feet got caught underneath behind him and the defender landed on his feet kind of like a um almost like a horse collar tackle type thing but it wasn't a horse collar if that makes sense yeah yeah and so he had to get carted off and that's when actually connor i doubled down then that, that's when i was like oh plus 1600 give me that because i was like there's a chance like akron couldn't stop this dude and even when he wasn't open he was getting double teamed which was making the other receivers get open because they're like hey this dude's got six receptions for 161 and two touchdowns 
we're not going to let him beat us. So they're like, we're going to let others beat us. And they were. And then he got injured. And Akron was like, okay, now we can run our normal, normal defense. Now we can get after the quarterback. Now we've got time. And that's how Akron came back. Lorenzo Lingard had a nice 30-yard touchdown run um, to bring it within four. Sorry, to bring it within three. And this goes to the play calling thing we talked about, right? This almost reminds me of the Notre Dame-Ohio State game we talked about earlier this year. So Akron had the ball with it's a little different because it was three and a half minutes left, Con. I, you didn't watch this game, did you? No, I didn't get to. Okay. No. So it was with three and a half minutes left to go. Akron's got the ball. Or sorry, Kent State's got the ball. And they ran the first two plays, burned Akron's timeouts, right? So Akron still has one more timeout. Three minutes left to go. What do you do? Do you run the ball, make them burn their last timeout, or do you go for the win? Keep in mind, you're on your own 25. Yeah. So, I mean, before I tell you what happened, and I mean, you already know what happened. Like, you, you know Akron won. But before I tell you the play that ensued, what do you do in this situation? I'm probably run the ball, to be honest Probably with run you. the ball, let them use their last yeah. time out. They threw the ball. Yeah. Akron made a hell of a defensive play. Corner was able to deflect the ball before it got to the uh, tight end's hands. So Akron was able to hold on to a timeout. Um, that timeout really didn't become... I mean, it kind of became important because you know they always had that safety net so they could attack the middle of the field but it was the big punt return that happened so they at kinsane put into the 30 and then akron returned it all the way to about the 47 50 so you know with two and a half minutes left and a timeout they need to go 25 yards for a field goal and it was it, it was at that point where it was like okay you know what's gonna happen Everyone knows what's going to happen. Like, I'm like that's why, like you know, that's why when I hit that, I was like, I wasn't even really that excited because it was like, it's all falling into line. It's it's going to plan, and I just, you know, I feel for Kent State, man. That, like I said, that was the best game they played all year. Yep. And if Krishan doesn't go down, they win that game. Yeah. So, actual quote from Kenny Burns here. Uh, he was talking a little bit about what was going on on defense in the fourth quarter. So he said. Uh, our defense in the fourth quarter, it got away. They completed some balls and we didn't tackle very well and we didn't do a good enough job. We had some backups in there, no doubt, because of injuries we had throughout the game. That's not an excuse. They're talented enough. They had enough reps. They should go in there and be able to make the play. How do you feel about that coming off it. of a loss? Yeah, I love it. Calling him out. I mean, he's not wrong. So nope. Daniel, Daniel George had a great game. Nine receptions, 104 yards, and a touchdown. So you know who didn't play? Adams, oh, Akron. Yeah. yeah, he didn't play. So, so Josiah Gaithing stepped up. Nine receptions, 103 yards, and a touchdown. He had seven receptions in the second half. So, while you know Kenny Burns is talking about you know, hey, our defense needs to step up, they couldn't guard him. They couldn't guard Josiah. And look, Josiah was cooking him. I want to say this for if, if he you know <laughs> if he ever listens to this podcast, he was jawing a little bit, almost a little bit too much with the uh, Kent State defenders i you know i enjoyed it because i'm all for the trash talk i'm all for the you know get yourself going but you know goes a little too far that's a 15 yard penalty for akron's offense that kills the game you know that literally one one 15 yard penalty on him for john too much kills the game so he got away with it i think because there have been other mac referees that you know we've seen it we've seen it live where like you know someone stands up looks at the other looks at the uh, defender after he catches the ball and they get 15 yards. This dude was audibly, like, kind of one play, he literally caught the ball, walked up to the defender after he caught the ball, walked up to him, <laughs> and was talking trash to him. 
And again, I appreciate the referees for not calling it because I like that in a rivalry game, right? But Josiah Gay thinks he had a great game. Just cool it just a touch on that because you don't want to cost your team a win next time. So now on to the Week 11 previews. First game we're going to talk about is Connor's meteorology game. Hey, you know, you have a lot of connections all across the country, apparently, so it would be a fool for us not to believe your preseason prediction of this being a snow game. You know? <laughs> Look, I really want it to happen because I, I absolutely adore these snow games, but I'm actually looking at it right now because I really want it to happen, right? This would be like the most clairvoyant thing I've ever done. And Outside reading signals? Yeah, and fi- <laughs> Besides play calling, uh, unfortunately, there is zero shot at this biggest snow game. <laughs> uh, watch so, it, watch it come Tuesday, and it just lake effects snow. <laughs> yeah, I would love something like that, but it, it's not going to happen. Um, All I'm saying is, if it does snow, if it does snow, look, I'm not saying we have Connor, but ladies and gentlemen, we got him. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do we feel about this as like Ohio's bounce back game? Do we want oh, to talk I'm about not, that? Th- this is um I I have no idea with this game. I have absolutely no clue with this game. It seems Ohio's terrible on the road. It 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 just seems like they're you know, they went they they I believe they played at Western, right, and lost that game or mm-hmm. almost lost that game. Um it, it, I you know, this game was so highly touted at the early earlier in the year, right? You know, yep. we talked all about this game, how this was going to be the game of the year in the Mac East or potentially one of it. And it's just not so much anymore. And just, I, I don't know, you know, I, Cole Snyder is going to struggle. I'm, you know, I hope the over under is about 45, 48. Cause I'm taking the under. Cause I just, both teams just can't seem to score anymore. Yeah. You know, and it sucks because both teams are coming off losses to the best possible opponents that they could play. Right. And neither team played well. So I just don't know what to expect from this. I, I have to be like, oh, if it's a minus three for Ohio, I'm taking minus three for Ohio because I know that team has the talent way. They, they have talent way better than this team in Buffalo. And yeah, the Cole Snyder showing has been bad. The lack of running that Buffalo's done, uh, just not calling as many run plays because they've been down so much. I think that's drastically hurting their chances. And Ohio is a team that's just going to take advantage and bully them. So all over them winning this one and getting back on track. But I do have a little thing in the back of my head that's worried that Ohio is going, look, our season's over. We're bowl eligible. Nothing really matters now. Uh, nope. Yeah. Well, the season's not technically over. You know, we talked about that. Like they still have an outside shot at Ford field. They need a lot of help. They need a lot of help. Um, what would you put this line at? Because so, you know, we're recording on Thursday. They they won't drop the lines till Saturday or Sunday for yeah. us because the games are on Tuesday, Wednesday. What would you put this line at? Yeah, I think I said like minus three. I think I'd actually go more than that. I think this is going to come out around uh, maybe maybe like five, six, seven, okay. six, seven. I actually think it might be a little higher. Ohio, obviously. <laughs> See, I, I, I would if this was at Ohio, I would agree with that. There's something about these away games that these like you know favorites go into. Like, look at NIU, right? NIU, CMU, NIU was a 12 point favorite at home against Eastern, at home, and then you know the team that beat Eastern, they were only a two point. It opened up as two, right? It opened up as two and went as high as six. So 
I think it's going to open up at three or four. And I think there's going to be a lot of money on it, Connor. And I think it's going to bring it up to six or seven. Yeah, I if, think if it you're opens st- at three. Yep. If you're starting at three or three and a half, I'm all over it. Once it gets closer to six, I'm less likely. I think, honestly, Buffalo's win against CMU, which was a while ago now. But I really think that puts a wrench in a lot of this because we know Buffalo has upset potential. And I think that gets baked in a line a little bit. Home game. Yeah. I, this one could be kind of interesting. Also, since the weather will be pretty good, you expect Snyder to be able to still drop back and do his thing of missing receivers. But, you know, it would be better in the passing game. So, I mean, would, would the weather, weather really affect that? I, I see. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, uh, definitely an Ohio win. I, shoot, I'd play it up to minus six. We'll see what it comes out at. Watch it. Watch this one come out as, like, one of those crazy tens, minus Buffalo. ten blowouts. It's, it's either going to be minus ten or Buffalo pickup. Yeah, it'll be, it's like, gonna be one of the two. Uh, yeah, it's going to be one of the two. And that, so for, then, then that would scare me. Yeah, and this is Maction, right? So if you are either just a gambler or whatever, this is on TV. This is ESPN, too. This is the game they want you to watch. Which, by um, so, you know, next is going to be... Uh, Ball State versus NIU. This game is just bleh to yeah, me. You know, I think, uh, this isn't the one you want to watch this night. No, I'll be honest with no. you. If you like running the ball, you'll love this game. You, I mean, you like, like this is the epitome of mid football. <laughs> I think this game's gonna be <laughs> a lot closer. Conference, <laughs> literally. But Ball State only knows how to run the ball, and NIU couldn't stop the run last game against CMU. You know, I think the line's gonna be minus ten. And I don't want to do it to myself again, Connor. But if it's minus 10, I think Ball State, the way they've been playing, can cover that. Because Ball State, for whatever reason, when they don't have a quarterback that can throw the ball, they can run the ball better. It's, you know, it's supposed to be the opposite of way, right? You know, when you have a throwing quarterback, you're supposed to be able to th- run the ball better because you can respect the pass. But for whatever reason, ever since Ball State's gone to um, the quarterback that can run, They've been dominating. They've been dominating the line of scrimmage. Yeah, actually, so interesting point on that, and this was something I wanted to look at afterward because I said, oh, Ball State's had a slew of different quarterbacks, and the one that I liked the most out of this was true freshman Caden Simonza, who I mentioned in the preseason. Uh, I was like, oh, why didn't they just keep playing him? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's because they wanted to preserve Redshirt. So he played in exactly four games, despite having significant minutes and starting those four. And now they're not playing him because redshirt, I assume. So kind of, uh, kind of funny how that works with the new rules. You could see a guy start for four weeks and then never see him again. Do you think if they were four and four, they'd play him to make a bowl game? I, I do think if they were in a better position, they'd burn the year. Honestly, I agree. I don't I think agree. he's that much better than the other guys. To be honest with you, it's just he has a ton of potential compared to a lot of the other guys I on agree. this roster. But that, that's the game, right? You preserve eligibility, and so we can see him playing in eight years, like his opponent Lombardi. Yes, I agree. If you and the final matchup on, by the way, that game is going to be on CBS Sports Network, um, which is also like, I don't know why CBS, like, y- you have to buy the premium package to get CBS Sports Network. It's not like on basic Kate. I don't know, man. I hate all this streaming stuff. Anyways, it's, it's weird because, like, this is different than the usual, oh, it's just going to be on ESPN, Plus, which is what right. you're used to as a Mac. Right. Fan. And yeah. And, it's, you know, I assume CBS Sports Network pays more than ESPN Plus does. That's why they, you know, got the action games. But how much of an audience does it show out to? Because, you know, you and I would watch this game if it was on ESPN Plus. But I can't watch this because it's not part of my TV package. Exactly. Yeah. And with the rise of cable cutting and people like me who don't use anything anymore, ESPN Plus is really the only way I can watch these games. Right. Right. And- 
yeah, it, it makes it a little bit tougher. But it's look, it's the next game is the one we're going to be watching, right? Yes. Well, and this is and this look. I mean, this is the you know we circle this on our schedule as soon as the schedule comes out, right? Like this, you know, the final matchup on Action Tuesday for November. What day is that? November sixth. November seventh. November seventh. Yeah, November seventh is CMU versus Western. This is the, the one you watch. Trophy. Yep. This is the one you watch. The victory cannon. You know, honestly, from what I've seen with both these teams, it's a toss-up. I truly think it could go Western Michigan minus two. It can go CMU minus two. Uh, you know, I could see Western winning after the way they dominated Eastern, dominated the line of scrimmage. I could easily see that. I could see CMU dominating. You know, if, if Eastern cleaned up their mess and didn't turn the ball over and all that stuff, Eastern probably wins that game that we saw by two touchdowns. It's not like Western wowed me, right? The only wow was the no-huddle rushing attack. That was the only real wow about it. It's not like the someone was like, oh my gosh, they, they're a great team. No, it wasn't like that. It was, you know, Eastern put them in a lot of favorable positions. And, you know, I'm taking the Chippewas as we punch our ticket to go bowling. And this is the game you want to watch. However, however, if you ran a poll on what would get more viewership, CMU versus Western, Ball State versus NIU, or Buffalo versus Ohio, I'm willing to bet CMU Western gets more viewership than this. So why are they putting it on ESPNU? This is a rivalry game, Connor. This is a trophy game. You want to see, you want the world to see your trophy. You want the world to see both trophies. It's not even a one trophy game, Connor. It's two. There's two trophies at the stake here, and they're putting it on ESPNU? completely completely removing the central bias and all our mac ties and everything if you were looking at this from a perspective of a college football fan with like above average investment in college football because why else would you be watching on a tuesday unless you're gambling your life away in your basement the the whole thing here is like this is the most exciting game it has everything there there's a rivalry there check you have a possibility of maybe some good weather or some crazy stuff happening with it you have two teams that are coming off of pretty dang good wins to be honest with you this is everything that you want as a casual fan or a diehard fan who just likes football right and just like last year's oh yeah if you're a diehard fan and you're all over reddit and the forums and stuff like that oh yeah what happened last year the snowball yeah the snowball there were snowmen on the sidelines it was the highlight of late season football it was on espn's like top plays like like it, everyone talked about it for a week as a conference why are you allowing this to be on espnu right so it, it is a little bit of a disservice honestly i think part of it has to do with the preseason ohio and buffalo actually looking pretty good but, but you i flex think that. now you flex this all day yes um, you can flex it easily yeah, kind of crazy. So what? You're you're thinking this line's kind of more even than anything else? I think else? it's a pick 'em. I think it's a pick 'em because CMU is dreadful on the road. They've yeah, lost they every are. road game outside South Alabama, right? And we can look back on that and kind of say that was kind of fluky, right? Like that, you know, South Alabama for whatever reason. I mean, if South Alabama had a quarterback that could throw the ball, we probably lose by three touchdowns, right? Because well, if he could throw the ball, open. he'd still be at Toledo right now, huh? <laughs> but true, yeah, right, yeah, but. CMU just, you know, they went to Ball State, got killed. Went to Buffalo, got killed. They are terrible on the road in MAC games for whatever reason. And, you know, Western's got, I mean, Western has an outside chance at a bowl game. Probably not going to happen, right? I'm going to officially write them off as they're not going to make a bowl game. So what better way to get at your biggest rival by making sure they don't get a bowl game? 
Yeah. And honestly, when I look at this, I actually, I think Western has an advantage here. I would probably give them like a minus two. Um, really the pace thing that we talked about where we watch the game, we're like, dang, they're moving quick. I really want to go back now and watch some of the tape from the Buffalo game because Buffalo controlled time of possession. They played pretty differently, but they also scored a ton because, oh yeah, you turn the ball over four times, you're losing the game. Yeah, that's kind of how football works. What did Western just do to Eastern? Oh yeah, force two safeties, get a pick. Yeah, Yeah. so a lot of the same warning signs are there right now for Central of, oh shoot, this is a team we usually would lose to. So I'm a little worried about that as a Central fan. Well, I mean, but, we, you know, I'm saying we've said it all year. If Simu holds onto the ball, they can yes. be anybody. And I think last week is the but uh, Luke's just played out his mind. We know we have a back we can trust finally, maybe. <laughs> you know, I was always kind of wondering who of the M&M combo would actually be the guy. And I, I think Luke's is considerably more talented. So I want did, to see more of him than we just did. And do they finally did, did the offensive line finally come together too? Because that I mean they dominate and I use yeah it was line. it was pretty forceful they were good so uh, look this game is going to be close Western may just win it but uh, I think if you're going to watch any of the games this is the one because it could go a lot of different ways it's a trophy game yep. it's just it's a, trophy. It's, and, and not even it's a trophy it's two trophies there's two like w- what other game action wise are you getting two trophies not one. There was a wagon wheel last week, but there was no Battle of Ohio trophy. And and for the, you know, Central versus Western versus Easter, any of those games, right, the rivalry that I'd say is the strongest is the Central-Western one. And I think a lot of that Easily. has to do with considerable relevance for both programs. And you saw a changing of the guard from Central and the Lefevre era to Western and the Row the Boat era. So now Agreed. we're in the third one where none of the teams are good, but whatever, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, I, like, this you know, is they definitely recruit, a game that Western's gonna have a lot of people at. It's one of the best stadiums. Might in the be Mac. sold out. They sell yeah. beer there. Good one to go to. Uh, Twelve dollars tickets. Yeah, I mean, if you know, if, if it was closer, it'd be all over. Exactly. It. And again, if if Western was Eastern, we'd be there. Yes. Even on a Tuesday, even on a Tuesday, I'd go to this game. But it's just, if I lived in Grand Rapids, I'd go to this game. And it, you know, and. Like I said, that's why I said Connor. It's you know, it's either gonna be minus two CMU or minus two Western. It's, uh, this game, it's it's like you said, it's the best one to watch. You're gonna get points. You're gonna get a lot of points. I think. I truly think the over in this case is gonna hit. And one more thing for West or for Central to win this game, they have to play the exact same way they did against NIU. Maybe not run as good as they did. The receivers have to catch the ball. Like that's been the kryptonite for CMU's offense is is dropped passes. Going into the NIU game, they were top five in dropped passes. Connor, it's pretty embarrassing. No matter how much of you stealing signs happens, you can't teach catching. Like yeah, like you can't. I mean, you can teach catching, but like not you, because all you do is just <laughs> steal signs. So, <laughs> uh. So that's it for the Tuesday Max Slates. The Wednesday Max Slate starts off with Akron at Miami. Akron is coming off an emotional, enormous program win, I personally think, over Crosstown Rivals Kent State. First time in five years. Wagon Wheels back in Akron. But that's it. The celebrations are over. Miami's going to thump them. Minus, I, I'd put the spread probably at uh, 17 to 21. Uh, I wouldn't go that high, but it's, it's probably like 12 and a half. Oh, it's going to be bad. This game that. is going to be bad. Uh, it's not a game I want to watch. Man, if you're a Miami of Ohio fan, you should watch this, though, because this is going to be crazy. 
Yes. Maybe Akron has a little little fire after last week, but no, nah, this is there's not much to say about this one. This game's over already. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly like it's funny. I, I'm not a huge fan of the ESPN like analytics and stuff like that, right? Uh, I'm a fan of my own analytics, but oh, you mean the uh, spyalytics? Yeah, the spyalytics. But the uh, matchup predictor saying 94 percent Miami Ohio. I go higher. Funny. That's so funny. Yeah, right? Go higher. Like, yeah. look, like that Akron Kent State game was electric, and the reason why it was electric because there was two bad teams going against each yep. other. And Miami of Ohio, they know what they have at State, Connor. They know if they lose this game, there's a backdoor possibility they don't get to go to Detroit. Correct. And they're gonna they're gonna go into each week and take care of business. And they're gonna not and they're gonna do what Ohio can't do, and that's not sleep sleep around, not sleep around, but like sleepwalk around their opponents. Right? <laughs> yeah, sl- so. sleep around's a little different. Uh, that's yeah, a sleep around's scandal. a little different. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I also think that you know, if you're Miami of Ohio, you're you're already thinking a little bit about bowl game stuff, and with Toledo going undefeated, they could probably get into something a little bit better. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. We'll talk about that uh, on the next episode. Yeah, Benji. definitely, because that's an interesting scenario that's starting to brew with all that stuff. But yeah, <laughs> this game's going to be a blowout. Uh, that's not the one I'd be watching either. <laughs> no, no. And and talking about the bowl thing real quick, too. You know, after this week, it'll, you know, Bowling Green wins this week. They're bowl eligible. You know, Eastern, we'll talk about them here in a second. They shocked the world. They're one game close to bowl eligibility. So, I mean, you know, the Mac could have seven bowl teams. There's not enough bowls for us. So we'll talk about that in a later episode. But game two on Wednesday is the battle for the Ohio Turnpike with Bowling Green going east and paying those tolls to see the flashes of gold of Kent State. This should be a 10-point game for Bowling Green as they punch their ticket to go bowling. I think it's going to be a minus 10. Again, it's, you know, just Bowling Green's decent. Kent State isn't. Simple as that. Honestly, yeah, not too much more. Terry and Stewart's going to run all over this defense. Yes. It's going to be awesome. kind of embarrassing. Yeah, the dude's and actually he, pretty electric. Yes, and he should be an all-Mac player at, at the end of the year. Yeah, honestly, he's the guy I think I have as the uh, fourth, third running back, fourth running back when I look over it. That might be something we need to talk about at some point, too. But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, honestly, you're probably not going to see much of Bazelak throwing. They're probably going to have Orr in there a little bit because of how this game's going to go. I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of Kent State rotating things on defense and playing those backups because he just said, you know, hey, I have faith. So I'm kind of looking at that as maybe the only thing to really care about too much with this one. But yeah, this game should be a little bit of a blowout. Yeah, it's, you know, I saw a tweet uh, earlier today and it's kind of a sad tweet. But it's, it's, it's good for Bowling Green, but like overall, perspective-wise, it's kind of sad. Someone was like, dude, this might be the best Bowling Green team we've seen since 2010. And it's like, oh my gosh. Oh no, that, he's right. He's right, but that's not that's not good. You know? Like, that's really... You're going to go 7-5 and five and that's the best Bowling Green... Like, that's the best you've seen them in 15 years, pretty much? Like, that's not... Because you look at every other MAC, you know, you look at Miami of Ohio, they won the MAC, right? Yep. And I use won the MAC. Um, CMU's won the MAC in 15 years. Well, 2009, yeah. So they won the MAC in 15 years. They've been to the MAC championship game, yes. right? Kent State's been to the MAC championship game. Kent State was been. good. <laughs> yeah. Buffalo. All these teams have really been to the MAC championship game. And they all actually were like, you know, good teams. And that this is supposed to be the best Bowling Green team in 15 years. Like, that's just. It's disappointing because Bowling Green historically has been one of the stronger MAC They programs. have a great location to recruit, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's actually one of those places that I really want to go to a Bowling Green game because I've been by the stadium and around it. I've never been in. <laughs> I agree, uh, and I love the orange. Yeah, look, at, kind of looking forward to that one. I, I really want to see if there's a uh, a game we can next get next year. year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The final matchup and the biggest matchup with implications is Eastern versus Toledo from the Glass Bowl. These schools are only separated by 50 miles along the US 23 corridor. You know, this should be another pothole trophy, really. Yeah. <laughs> and this game is going to be as slow moving as that traffic is during rush hour. Uh, I truly think, Connor, this can be a low scoring affair. I think Toledo wins by two touchdowns. I think it's literally going to be 28 14. Uh, here's the thing, though. If Eastern finds a way to win this game, the MAC West is wide open. Well, I wouldn't say wide open, but it gives CMU a shot at winning the Mac West. Yeah, it becomes a little bit of a minor chaos situation where where and a few doors are open, and that'd be cool. Don't see it happening though. No. I, I really just don't see a world where it happens. After the game we watched last week, you really expect that team to go out there and put up a fight against Toledo? But why? Why wouldn't Toledo just run the ball the whole time? Right. Honestly, and if they run the ball the whole time, they're going to be fine in this game. I think we've talked quite a bit this season as a developing story is Toledo's defense is way worse than they should be. And they kind of alleviated that last week, right? Uh, to let them score under 14. That's pretty dang good. But I still have those concerns in the back of my head. It's just Eastern's probably not the team to exploit that. All right. You know, thank you everyone for listening. You know, we're in peak action. Everyone enjoy your Tuesday and Wednesdays a little more. Connor, I know you'll be busy Saturday. But yeah, honestly, so the my to do list this week actually is um, go on DH Gate, uh, <laughs> buy a few hats, and uh, see if I can get some uh, GoPros. And I think I'm going to be a little more stealthy.